This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 you. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast. Today is a special day as I got three guests with me. Um, we're going to have like a nice, great debate about all topics going on in the country right now. Um, yeah, I want to get a black. I mean, I didn't want to make this a race thing, but I mean, that's what's going on in the country right now. So I want to get three men of different backgrounds different races um, and get their viewpoints on like the shit that's going on in the country. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Uh, please tell the people where you're from, your name, and your occupation. Hey, man. I'm Jackson. I'm from Oakland, and I'm an electrician. I'm Dirk. I live in Alameda, and I uh, work in e-commerce. All right, my name is Daniel uh, D.H. Uh, I'm a business owner, and um, I run a couple of different businesses. I'm from Oakland, California. Okay, so um, how old is uh, is everyone here? Um, this is Jackson again, and I'm 48. I'm turning 44 next week. I'm 39. Everybody got kids? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's married? Yes. yes. Not anymore. Not anymore? Nope. What happened to that? We weren't happy. This is a recent uh, separation? No, we split back in uh, 2010. 2010? Okay. Mm-hmm. How old is everyone's kids? Mine is uh, 17 and 16. Jackson, bring the uh, mic closer to you. <clears throat> my son is 17 and my daughter is 16. Okay. My son's 11. I got a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old... Uh, 13-year-old and an 8-year-old. And um, one of your, DH, one of your sons is a music, uh, is in the music business? He, he he dabbled in it a little bit, but no. Nah, he doesn't he, do it anymore? No, nah, he's more of a, uh, trying to find himself. Okay. Trying to find himself for the most mm-hmm. part. What are some of the hard things about uh, fatherhood, do you think? I mean, I mean, based on what, what you were going through when you were growing up, is it any harder or different, do you think? Uh, things are different. Things are very different from how I grew up. I mean, I grew up in the 70s and 80s here in the town. So, mm-hmm. you know, things were uh, a lot different back then. And uh, what do you mean by different? What was the differences? Hmm. Well, I mean, Oakland was uh, thriving. In a different kind of way, you know. Right now, it, it, it might be having an economic resurgence, but I mean, that's a lot of the gentrification that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a lot of middle class families that were of color, of many different backgrounds, of every different background, and that's what made Oakland so great to me. You know, and now I see a lot of families getting pushed out. The rent's high. You know, the property value was low until you know they push everybody out. And then they buy it cheap, and then they develop it. Things are different. 
Okay. Yes, what do you uh, agree? Um, yeah, I mean, to a certain extent or whatever, the the kids these days have it. Uh, they have access to more information than we ever had. So they're in. A, it's almost like a microwave society for them. So they want results quick and fast. And if they don't get the results quick and fast, a lot of them give up. A lot of them change. A lot of them wonder and stuff like that. Like these kids today or whatever, they didn't. They didn't grow with the hustle and grit we had. Like you know what I'm saying, like. Like, I went to school in Berkeley, but I lived in East Oakland, so every day I'm catching the Barton bus every day. Nowadays, these kids will call you and ask for an Uber, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's a totally different scenario situation. And, um, I mean, the kids today, it's not their fault because it's the era. Like, we didn't even have cell phones. Like, you know, so they have everything, access is right there in front of them. Mm. And it's like, so now they they getting all this information pushed into them and then tr- trying to find themselves in so many people, so many different directions that you could be pulled in. And then, like, as a teenager, you know what like I'm saying? You you talk to your partners and you, like, drift this way or that way. Nowadays or whatever, you could drift whichever way just by having a cell phone. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, it's hard to be, I mean, like you said, the, the question or whatever about fatherhood or whatever, it's hard to decipher through all that and still, like, see your child growing into themselves without you trying to just lead them the direction you want or whatever the case may be because they still got to find themselves and they still got to grow and understand and they got to make mistakes we mm-hmm. can't always save them uh dirk what do you uh think is the most toughest thing about fatherhood um I probably seeing my kid go through a lot of the same frustrations with the educational system that I felt when I was a kid. Mm. Um, and he's got ADD. I had ADD. I didn't get diagnosed till I was 18. Um, we, you know, I saw all the symptoms that I had in him. And, uh, so, you know, we got him checked out for it, but he's not on medication for it or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, the educational system, the way that it works is and he's a smart kid, but it's not designed for how he's his brain learns things. When you were a child, did your parents uh, take you to a doctor for your ADD? Uh, you just said no, you, I mean, you weren't diagnosed. Not until I was 18, actually 17, but it was the um, summer after my senior year of high school. Why do you think uh, they never like did something about You know, the funny thing is my mom's actually a psychologist. Mm. Um, she always mentions some old fairy tale called the shoemaker's children, mm. which I don't know what it's about, but I gather it's about a shoemaker that couldn't make shoes for his kids for some reason, mm-hmm. something like that. But you know, I, my parents are both academics. I think that, um, they just weren't on the lookout for it. I mean, you know, I tested well, so they just figured, well, he's just not trying hard enough. Mm. I think, too, back in the day, um, I'm a little bit older than you guys, but back in the day, people didn't really uh, know about ADD or, or different kind of mental health uh, disorders. I mean, it was kind of a stigma, I think, back in the day. You know, you just definitely didn't want to be classified as crazy, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, maybe especially in, in the communities that I'm from. But um, I think in any community, really, I mean, you don't want to be classified as crazy, but. Still, you know, um, I don't think it was a big thing about AD, you know, ADD or ADHD back in the day when I was growing up. People didn't even know about that. Now, you know, with 
social media and cell phones and, you know, widespread information, you know, uh, a lot of that information is, is pretty much out there, mm. you know, whether or not it's, <clears throat> you know, my son tries to, this is um, something else I'm going through, man. My son <laughs> is dealing with his own um, emotional issues right now uh. with COVID and just graduating high school. Trying to find his place in the world as a young man is is hard. And I think uh, a lot of young people these days are, are using mental health as a, somewhat of a crutch, you know, but it's hard to kind of like discern whether or not they're bullshitting and trying to just get their way or it's a real issue for them and they really need help. And it, you definitely don't want to err on the side of, of you know, uh, not taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. It can be tricky because, you know, like it's very easy if you have a real mental health problem to then make your mental health problems, everybody else's problems. Right. And, you know, I think that you got to be real careful where it's like, yeah, if somebody's got a mental health issue, you got to take that into account and you got to acknowledge that there's going to be symptoms to that. But at the same time, you got to be, you know, clear about like, hey, just because you have a mental health problem doesn't mean that you're automatically a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, right. like or it excuses you from bad behavior. Exactly. Right. You know, that's <laughs> that's, you know, your cross to bear and nobody else can bear it. And you got to make the most of it and you can help and support people through it. But, you know, at the same time, I mean, I've definitely been in relationships with people who uh, don't really have a, you know, that sense of responsibility. Like this is something I have to deal with and make the most of, but are very, very happy to use it to excuse their bad behavior when it's convenient. Yeah. I think we all got mental issues to a certain extent or some sort of um, bipolarism or we can go through mood swings or well, the world can affect us in different ways or whatever. It's just about like, if you have to, you have to understand first off yourself, like finding yourself and understanding yourself is, one of the biggest things in the world because you don't want to be confused or you don't want to feel like, oh, I'm oh so different than everybody else or nobody understands me or whatever. Sometimes it's like having somebody to talk to. Maybe it's a therapist. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's an older friend, a, a, a friend with, who's doing stuff or whatever. Like, so it's not always, I feel like that it has to be uh, something that is so detrimental because sometimes through trauma, comes great success you know what i'm saying so it's like we yeah. all go we all gonna go through something and that's what i think a lot of the kids don't understand is everybody going through something like it might not be specifically what you going through but we all facing different battles every day exactly. you know what i'm saying so exactly. like i'm don't i'm not pushing yours to the side or nothing or whatever but listen you gonna have to d- fight through this for yourself to a certain extent and I'm here to help you, but I can't be the person doing the fight. You know what I mean? Like, so. And the thing too, is that like, we all grow through whatever it is that we have to overcome. Yeah. You know, that's an opportunity, you know, on the individual level. I think that's an important, that's the one thing I always try to say to my kid is like, cause he gets real frustrated when he doesn't like get something right away, you know? And he's got that short attention span. And, so, you know, he wants everything to sort of be like a video game where you can just like pick it up and get through the tutorial in 10 minutes and then basically have control yeah, over yeah, this whole expert, environment. Yeah. Right. Whereas it's like, 
other things where it's like, no, you just got to practice and you got to mess it up before you're going to get it right. The tolerance for that, you know, is, is what, you know, I really just try to say it's going to be worth it. Yeah. You know, when you get over it, when you get that thing done that you, that you hit that goal, you know, and you feel like what it's like to win, mm-hmm. that, you're going to like it you're and you're going to be like, yeah, I did all that work mm-hmm. and I did it. Yeah. And you're going to feel good about it. Yeah. That's why that cancel culture is whack because, you know, it makes the kids or even grown folks afraid, afraid to fail. What's it called? That cancel culture. I don't even know. Like that. when you mess up. Oh, you must not be on Twitter. People, oh, yeah. <laughs> people come for you, you know, and you just cancel. Okay, yeah. We got to give people yeah. room to grow. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like everybody makes mistakes. So uh, let's, I mean, let's start. Uh, let's 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 start on this. T- let's stay on this topic. Um, the cancel culture. So who, who was who was the last person? Um, uh, just a recent article came out of this guy, Deshaun Goyo. Go, have you oh, heard of the, uh, the Goya? The Goya, the foods? beans, uh, Goya foods. Have yeah, you heard of that? Goya beans. So he, um, they don't really have it out here though. He he, but they came out, out giving uh, Trump props or something like he right. wants to support Trump, right. and now everybody wants to cancel uh, cancel him. <laughs> so, <clears throat> do you feel that it's right? For example, if someone like a basketball player, for example, if they look back in his his past history when he was like 17 years old and he had like a bunch of racist tweets, do you think it's okay now for people to be like, yo, you're canceled? Or do you just say he was young and that's not him anymore? Or do you think, oh, you said it, so that's how you really feel? But- but and I the see, only reason you're saying you're sorry is because everyone is on your ass right now. But I see, I think it all depends, okay? Because like somebody could do something at 17 and grow from that mistake and you're 30 years old now. But if you still have the same ideologies you had at 17 and you're 30, but now you just apologizing because people know your ideologies, now I can't fuck with you like that. You right, feel me? Right. Like, but it should be a pattern of what you said at 17. And then I've done this for the last 13 years. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't just say, oh, yeah, I thought this is 17. But then you start looking at a whole bunch of different little shit and be like, yeah, that's still what you thought is 17 hey, at 25. People, some people learn stuff in the old age, though. I, that's true, though. But you know, so like, so I like, mean, just imagine you got a racist ass uh, person. Yeah. Whoever from whatever background. Mm-hmm. And they end up having a son or a daughter or a grandchild from. A mixed relationship, okay. whatever that be, and they find an epiphany mm-hmm. and love and understanding off of that. Yeah, even at an old age, I mean, it might not be the normal, and it might just be some something I'm just making up off the rip. But you know, what I'm just saying, like, uh, you, but- you don't. It's hard to say, but I like going back to what he said. Uh, it definitely is going to bring scrutiny. Yeah. If you talk like that or you had something like that in your past, I mean, I think. But do you think it's justified, though, for people to bring up? Uh, justified? I mean, he's the one that brought it up or that person is the one that brought it up and put it on social media. So they need to take responsibility for their words and their actions. I mean, if you say something that's out of step, the first thing you should do is, you know, apologize if you really believe that you're wrong. And then, you know, 
once you know you're wrong, you need to change. That's that pattern. And if you don't change, then you really ain't shit, really. And and the other part is just because you had an epiphany don't mean I got to fuck with you. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? You don't. Like, you, you, because you don't. You would don't. you believe their apology, though? I mean, because it, most it of the shit that happens, these people just man. they're just apologizing because I mean, that's, their that's, told 90, them that's probably ninety nine percent of the, the people that's apologizing, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, like Maya Angelou said, or, or somebody said, some famous poet said, "You should believe me when I show you myself the first time." Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and I mean, hey, man, there's people, but we need everybody though. Jax, what is your nationality? I'm American. I mean, but are you? I'm nobody, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm 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 from the world. I'm here. I'm mm. I'm from the soil. I'm from Oakland. You so know what I mean? I, you're from, I, I've did, had many many influences from all cultures. Did you grow up uh, mostly around black people? I'm from Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> that Oakland. was a yes. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a yes. That was and a yes. Have, what do? How do you feel? This is for the non-black people in the room. How do you feel about, I mean, you grew up around mostly black people, right? So mm-hmm. how do you feel about other races using the, the N-word? Wow. Um, I've come through a long journey with that, man. Um, growing up, I've been called it so many times. I've used the word so many times. It was normal for me. You Have know? you been called it by your friends? Like, yo, what's up? Nigga? All the like, time. You know, all the time. And, and but by someone people, hasn't told you. By like, people who didn't like me, by people that like me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and, and it's one word, but it has so many different contexts and meanings, depending on how it's said and the context of where, who said it and why it was said, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, uh, I try not to now. So you've been, you used it in the past? Yes. Okay. Do you feel like you have the right to use it since you grew up in the culture? No. Dirk, have you ever said the N word? Yeah, of course. How? Like rapping to a song or have you called uh, a black person the N word? Making fun of other white people. Making fun of other white people? Yeah. You called other white people, nigga? No. I like. You know, you get out and say it. Don't slip and say it right now. I'm just. (laughs) All right, continue. Um, you know, like making fun of rednecks, basically. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to understand it. I'm trying to understand it. Go deeper. Fuck up. I mean, my my understanding is is the word is embodiment of ignorance. Mm. Um, or at least that's the that's the negative imagery that they're trying to throw on people when they say it. Um, I want to hear Diablo's redneck story. What, what, tell me about this. I mean, the, the history of this word is what matters, right? Mm-hmm. If it was a new word that kids made up and started calling each other today, nobody would care, right? There's a history to it and there's a power behind it. And that's why people care about it. And, you know, one of the secrets that, you know, white people don't usually talk about is that, especially in a place like Philly, other white people will come up to you and use it as a way of just sort of like seeing if they can get away with it. At least that's what it was like in the 90s when I lived there. Like it was a way of 
I guess, trying to, you know, get somebody to acknowledge that you were on their side in some way. Right. You said white people saying it to other white people. So or that, white people that's like cultural appropriation? Or? Yeah. No, 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 no. Like I'm, they're using it in a clearly hard R N word. Oh shit. Oh, to incite oh, somebody. Shit. Yeah. What? It's like a way of trying to get somebody get to do like a secret beat. handshake with you. <laughs> so why you get your hands beat? Nah, okay, it's like a way of like identifying. It's, it's like throwing a flag up. Identify with the whole experience. Shut bad, up, but, but now, no, no, no. But yeah, no. It's like a way, like a racist white person tries to identify whether or not you are also of that mindset and of that perspective. So you, you can be sitting at like the train stop. That was you. No, I'm saying people talk to me like that. Okay. Right? Like they approach me in that I see way. What you're saying. I see. Right? So it's a weird thing to ha- experience. And the further you get outside of the city, the weirder it gets. And the more often it happens. So if you're like up in Allentown, there's like hardcore like neo Nazi groups out in central Pennsylvania. And you ain't got to go that far. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you don't got. I mean, there's, there's everything's around here, right? California has everything, well, that, but amazing. you know, like the density within the population. Once you're outside of either Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, Central Pennsylvania, there's just a lot of shit kickers. So the and reason why we had the Black Panthers in Oakland was because the the cops here were racist. Yeah, so that's still that's still a huge part of this country, and. You know, when you get out into the sticks and there's there's really not a lot of black people around, um, there's kind of a presumption that like when, you know, you meet another white person, you want to make sure that they're like, you know. Just as racist as you are. Exactly. You know what you're saying? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I'm you not know, saying you you are. I'm saying the... It's like it's like the racism che- racist check. Are you are you like black people? You don't like black people? Yeah, they're just going to use the n word in front of you to see how you react. Got you. And the key question I have for you is, how did you react? I mean, I was in college and I felt uncomfortable. Okay. You know, and I'd be like, okay, I don't need to hang around with this person. But I never confronted anybody. Gotcha. You know, when I was like a kid, because it's you know you also don't. Um, you don't know who's got their back, right? Mm-hmm. And usually if somebody's like that comfortable, just like doing it, they're in a situation where they feel comfortable. They don't feel like they're at risk. They feel very safe in that situation. And anytime I would be in a situation like that, I was in my home turf. That's not where I lived. Mm-hmm. I'd be out visiting somebody. So you just kind of like, okay. And, and, and that's, that's, that's the, uh, that's currently what we're going through right now. People who disagree with racism but don't speak up on racism or speak up on racial events, it's no longer you could be quiet. Like you know what I'm saying, like right now, it's it's not. Oh yeah, I'm against uh, police brutality to black people, brown people, or whatever the case may be. No, we need you to fight with us if you really feel like that. We need your support. We need your voice. We need more white American males to be part of the cause because the white American males is the ones who are controlling the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, like 
it we need it, it just ain't cool enough to be like you against racism no more. You got to be really against it. You got to be as mad as, about that shit as we mad about that shit. You got to be against the oppression. You got to be uh, all the different things like how you said in the sticks or whatever. Uh, it wasn't that many black people. That was systematically done. You know what I'm saying? They didn't give black people home loans. To yeah. have owned these homes in the suburbs. So they kept them in the oh, inner- I'm not even talking the suburbs. Yeah. I'm talking like country. Yeah. I mean, but the, but look how much land you get. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying? They didn't want them to own anything. So they keep them in the city, put them in the projects, and give them subsidized living and put this ceiling over your head. You can't make more than this. But if you don't make more than this, we're going to give you a home. You know what I'm saying? We're not going to give you the best jobs. We're not going to give you, we're not going to give you everything that this white male can acquire in the world, but we're going to give you enough to where you can be okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's like them even, well, in the nineties, like you said, or whatever, in the nineties and the eighties and whatever the case may be in the 2020s, that shit's still going on today. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, we got to, it's a change. And and like how I, I, I always say, it's not even a white versus black thing or, Asian versus this person thing or Mexican versus thing. It's all about economics, bro. Right on, bro. These motherfuckers, these top tier 5%, one percenters, yeah. they running mm-hmm. shit, bro. Exactly. How the fuck you complaining about taxes and you making millions and billions and then we making thousands and y'all trying to tax the fuck out of us? Like the percentages we paying of our income compared to the percentages of what you paying income? Shit, what was it? Trillions of dollars came out. They gave us twelve hundred dollars. They gave the companies five hundred million dollars. Like <laughs> I think it was four they, trillion. They did, that, yeah. they did that months ago, and they expect that twelve hundred to last. Come on, bro! In the Bay Area, yeah, what right. is twelve hundred dollars gonna do? That didn't do shit. Twelve twelve hundred dollars ain't gonna pay for nothing. I don't even think you can rent a room in the Bay Area for twelve hundred dollars. Man, it's pretty tough. You might be able to, but still. <laughs> it's only month. for a month. <laughs> yeah, like one month. And that's not going to cover, you know, security deposit or anything it's like that. All right, so since time. we're on the subject of uh, like policies and shit, uh Jack, did you vote uh recently for the presidential uh, you know, when they had the little Yeah, I had voted for Super Bernie Tuesday. Sanders. You voted for Bernie? Yeah, but he didn't make Dirk, it. who did you who did you vote for? I voted for Bernie Sanders, you know that. Yeah. I don't vote. <laughs> Wait, 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 man. Time out, time out. I don't vote. <laughs> you sat here and said all this shit. Hold on, wait. No, no, no. Like you just said, I'm going to say something. The 1%, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. They running shit, but we have the power to change shit with our votes. I, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, time, I don't time, know about time, that. Time, I believe. Time, out, time. Wait, wait, you can, like, time. nudge the needle with the vote. Time but, like, out. Really changing things. Act locally. Everybody. Act locally. All right, no. Be, let's, be more. I got a question. I have a question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's yeah, give Jordan this show ahead. back. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You said you don't vote. I do not vote. Why do you not vote? I mean, I feel is the most change that's going to happen. It comes from economics and money, and we got to pay lobbyists to get the the right bills and stuff on the ballots. Half the shit we voting for, I could vote for the roads. The roads are still fucked up. Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you can say the vote is helping and stuff, but until we got the economic power to pay these lobbyists to get the right bills and right laws on there, 
it's still going to be something that's not working out. Now, I understand why you don't vote for the president, because, I mean, I'm I mean, I do vote, but I'm kind of in your uh, a mind frame that the president doesn't affect my day to day life. Now, when it comes to voting, it's more crucial to vote for uh, your, local. your local. Now, do you do that? I live in a different county than I work in, and I, my home is the ho county I work in. Mm -hmm. It's my home is not really the county I live in. You know. So what county is this? I live in Contra Costa County. My home is Alameda County. You know what I'm saying? Everything that affects me, really, truthfully, is in Alameda County. But I cannot vote in Alameda County. So I know more about Oakland politics than I know about where I live. Politics. Now, Diablo, since you uh, worked, I mean, Dirk, I'm sorry. I keep That's all right. Dirk, you, uh, you have a background in like politics and all this shit, right? Because you were. I, I've done some work. All right. Now, is that true that he cannot vote in uh, Alameda County since he lives in Contra Costa? Yeah, you vote where you live, where you get your mail. Right. Okay. Let me just say something real quick, though. Like. I understand what you're saying about the roads and, and how the money gets misappropriated and how there's lots of yellow tape mm -hmm. that the money just gets shit all over the place and, and makes very little difference in the communities that, that is most needed. Mm -hmm. But I've seen firsthand some of the money go to good places that really take care and nurture the community. And if you don't vote, you allow the one percent and their controlling factors Mm -hmm. to put in policies and laws that serve them mm -hmm. and not us. And so that's why we need to struggle against them in these voting. And I, I know it seems kind of hopeless and, and sometimes it just seems like a lot of bullshit. I believe, you know, left wing, right wing, same chicken, mm -hmm. politics, mm -hmm. you know, I get it. But um, you got to make it count where you can. The other thing, too, is in California, there's always, like, some sort of ballot initiative. Mm -hmm. I mean, the reason that we can all buy weed if we want to is because we all voted on it. That was that unity and that's, some dollars that made right, so weed community, though. So, DA, so when people... It was so a lot people, of money that went behind that cannabis initiative. When people, yeah, but people, people still people had to vote. People, people was still was had to go out and live for off of selling that weed before it was legal. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying, though. The people in the hood who went to jail and was getting three strikes for selling weed. Exactly. That they could, if they came together and tried to put that ballot initiative together, it wouldn't have never happened. When it came to that almighty dollar to put that ballot initiative to make it happen, it happened. Of course. And that's what it, it that's why politics costs money. And that's that's what I'm saying. The politics and the lobbyists that are being paid are paid for a certain reason. That's like your lawyer. You could be the God fairness most person in the world or whatever, but you're a defense attorney. You know what I'm saying? Like you you gonna defend this man because he paying you. That's why nobody should vote for Kamala Harris. Why is that? I'm just putting that out there. Because she, she locked niggas up. That's why. Okay. I, I understand. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, hold yeah, on. You cannot say shit about this conversation because you don't vote, nigga. That's true. I'm not you. Were, <laughs> but, I, I mean, go I ahead. wasn't going to vote for her, so is, I guess I can't support her, right? I guess he, he is right, though. He is right, though. Because, I mean, like, look, the money is still the big thing. And, you know, I said this last time I was on. The reason, obviously, there was still a chance then that Bernie Sanders could could have won, but the reason the powers that be circled the wagons and pushed Joe Biden down on us uh, is basically the one reason is because Bernie Sanders didn't take any big money. He was the one candidate. If like you could actually become the most powerful person in the world, 
just raising small dollar donations and actually sending back the checks you get from billionaires, that undermines the entire system. Because now you have all the support. You have more support. Right, because then you're not accountable to any of the big shots. Because the other part is, though, I could take the money from this one person, but if I could get a million people to give me the same money this one person gave me, now I got a million backing me. Right, so all the people you're talking about. But how can someone accomplish... Do you know how expensive campaigns are? How can how can an ordinary this is why ordinary people don't run and shit never changes? Because an ordinary person would be like, How the fuck? I mean, they could be smart, they can be from like the neighborhood and shit and know what the pick what the people want. But then they're gonna be like, How the fuck can I run afford a, afford a campaign yeah. when uh and get how can I get all this money when this person has millions and millions of dollars? How can 1% I don't want anybody who ain't got shit to be running shit? Yeah. Exactly. So how what's your how do you think is the answer to change that? Uh, I'm going to take the fear. <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you mean? Because you literally just said this why shit don't change. Wait, wait, wait. It, but you, you pushing the button. <laughs> no, one, no one asked me questions. You're the everyday celebrity. People try, but you know, I'm just here to get the views from okay. other people. So, how do you? What do you? What do you think? I mean, like I said, man, I I feel like everything in in America is based off of economics for the most part. Everything, or even like even I think you know what? And 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 me being thirty nine years old, um, and my 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 thought process and stuff or whatever, I feel like the census is very important. You know what I'm saying? Like because that's how the funding gets comes to the communities is by how many people are in the communities and stuff like that or whatever. I feel like the census is something that we need to start pushing initiatives to. I think the census is bullshit. No, but look, look <laughs> at it like this. Look at look at it like how this. Do you, how can you explain how Castlemont doesn't get money, hey, but uh, exactly. there's a school in Piedmont. We need that gets we need to count Americans. You know, you, you know why? And they're in they're in the same. Uh, you know why? They're in the same district. We, we need know. to just count people, not. Not black people. No, you know why though? You know why though? People and white people, because that's where we divide ourselves. You know why though? Most people don't even do the census. Yeah, no. Who is doing the census? The people in Piedmont. Right. And that's what I'm saying. If the people in East Oakland would do the census, more money would come to East Oakland. Because the people would be counting. But also, and also, look at, look at, look at the funds. roads. Look at the roads in Piedmont. Right. Move I mean, look, look at the roads. In I mean, funds, let's, let's be honest. Holes like a let's be honest. Piedmont is actually part of Oakland, but they branched off and now they're their own city. Like, yeah. almost. Now there might be money allocated to to help in East Oakland if more people voted and did the census. But would that money get implemented into the communities? That comes down My to the, the councilman. I think it, yeah, like I think it comes down to someone who actually knows how Oakland is, who knows. Casamon needs money and Piedmont does it. So a person who knows that will be good in uh, decision making fucking settings. You know what I'm saying? Hey, so, Piedmont so has their own tax uh, that's, situation. But, and, and, but Piedmont yeah. wasn't originally like that. Piedmont no, was a part of Oakland. Was a part they, of they Oakland but that money kingdom. came in and they separated from Oakland. Yep. They, How is that possible? Because they had money. money. <laughs> Piedmont is literally lawyers, part of Oakland, California. Piedmont is a neighborhood Obvious in Oakland, California. Piedmont is now Piedmont, California. Money? Did I say money? 
<laughs> yeah, they had money. Money moves the world. I mean, yeah, everybody knows that. Exactly. We not we we gotta have a unified dollar for some something. No matter what's going on, we gotta have some sort of unified dollar for something. A unified dollar. Blue unified money. Unified money. Or whatever. You know, like a world currency or something. No, 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 no. I'm saying we gotta all come together and spend money on attacking this one thing. Yeah. Instead of like. Oh, I'm here with this. I'm here with this. I'm here with this. I'm here with this. Come support me. Come support me. Come support me. No, come support this this year. Let's get this changed this year. Because the civil rights movement happened in the 60s, right? Mm -hmm. Let's imagine if we had unified attack every year, we probably could have had 40 different changes over the last 40 years. But why didn't I mean, it's a it's a lot. We 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 not unified. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna. An, I'll answer that question. We get passions. Yeah. Um, let me. This this brings up this another question. Yeah. But you happy for another twenty? Because because half the people were like, oh, I'm cool with this, and the other half is like, no, we need to keep fighting. Like it, it's Man. it's even just well, like we need to keep fighting. Yeah, I feel like we always need to keep fighting. Like I do. We do. Let me ask this question uh, about the civil rights movement. Do you think that the civil rights movement was a mistake? And when I say it was a mistake, is because Man. why were these black people fighting? They were basically fighting. Like, why would you want to be in a restaurant with these racist white people? Stay with your own people and, and have a restaurant. Why would you want to? When we had our own, who gives a fuck about being uh, being able to accepted. sit in, the, in yeah. the front of the bus with these racist white people? Yeah. Get your own bus that. company and, and get on the I bus. I don't think it was so about that. when those, I those were situations. When I say when head. I say yeah. when I say the civil rights, do you think the civil rights movement was a mistake? Because the civil rights movement basically made black people go spend money. After, after it was make black people go spend money. On white things mm. instead of keeping keep it in the community, community. keeping it in the community. So if there were, if we were separated, just like that, uh, what's the Tulsa thing where the, uh, the Black, Black Wall, Wall Street, Street. Mm -hmm. the Black Wall Street? Imagine uh, that could have been everywhere. Mm. Yeah, but instead, what did they do the to the Black Wall Street? If the civil rights movement never happened and Black people were like, Yo, "Okay, y'all want to be separated? All right, we're gonna be here. Y'all gonna be there. We're gonna build this foundation and." become powerful enough to where you're going to have to give us but you're basically going to have to split the united states in half and if that would have happened do you think white people would have would have stayed on that side the majority of the motherfuckers would have came on the black side and because the music we saw what the happened. partying yeah what happened like, in tulsa though? we saw what happened when they did that yeah i know that they, they didn't so, let it ride not, so, not to mention so they answer, were like bombing so churches answer the, so answer that question do you think it was a mistake the civil rights movement what do you I mean, think we needed that? That's a more complex question for me to answer in one simple uh, instance, like what you're saying, because you're bringing up something that I've never wrapped my mind around before. I mean, how you brought up that it could have impacted uh, black community economics in a negative way in terms of spending money in white stores or, or you know, one percent stores. That's a deep thought, man, and I got I got to wrestle with that for a little while before I kind of condemn the the movement. <laughs> Just because if you listen to Malcolm X and Farrakhan, they want they want they want separation. I mean, Malcolm X 
said lots of things. And, you know, some of that changed after he did his Hodge. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I mean, to quote him after he's gone, I mean, I think you need to bring up the context and what he was talking about. But as far as do I think that the civil rights movement was a mistake? I, I don't think so. Do I think things have changed? Yes, they have changed, but things remain a lot the same. We're still slaves to the economy and our mortgages and our rents and our car payments and our, our fancy baubles of economic uh, success. But are we really free? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like um, the black community was stronger. Even just even come together for the civil rights. I don't think the civil rights was a mistake, but I do think that <coughs> what they were trying to do, like asking your oppressors to treat you equally, was never going to happen. Because it, human nature, if you're in power, you're not going to give up your power. You're a supervisor on a job. You're not going to be like, I don't want to be the supervisor more. Let me go back to being a regular worker. You know what I'm saying? Like that's human nature. You're not going to give up your power. So once they did what they did with the civil rights movement, the powers that be appeased a lot of people. And then it stopped the rioting. It stopped the marchings. It stopped this. It stopped that or whatever. But we still fighting for the same thing they was fighting for in 60 in the 60s. They still mention people. They still shoot people in the back. (coughs) So they still breaking in people's homes and shooting them dead in their home. The black now what I can say is the black dollar was way stronger back then. And the like our grandmothers was buying homes and everybody's family had family homes and stuff like that and yeah. everything or whatever. And our generational wealth was starting, even though we didn't have it before that or whatever, but it was starting or whatever. And then um now nowadays or whatever, the black dollar stays in the community for like one time. Like if and then that. it before it, if that before it leaves mm-hmm. it's supposed to stay seven to twelve times or something like that but I'm not gonna say it was a mistake I just feel like it was it could have been utilized a little bit better and we needed some black leadership in 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 major roles and we never got that what well, we did and they what happened to them is they got assassinated. Yeah, or or, <laughs> well, that's, or that's strung what, out on drugs or caught up on bullshit cases. That, that's what I'm saying though. I'm I'm talking about actual like not I'm gonna put you here then kill you. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because they're killing them to that scare a martyr. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're killing them to be like, yeah, you could get all this power you want, but you're not gonna ever get to where we don't want you to be. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So the powers that be yeah. always had the power, and if it, I mean, we still fighting for the same things, like. Literally, like literally, we we fighting for the same things. No but, matter how much how much success us as minorities have or whatever, we're still fighting for the same basic human things. You know what? Well, we need to come together, though. All of us, including white folks who are not part of the one percent, to really affect the change. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, Dirk, what? How do you feel about? The Karens, this whole Karen movement. Um, I'm against it. <laughs> what you mean? People yeah. going to jail for fake police phone calls? Or, or people being like Karens. No, yeah. That was, 
we got to figure this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm against. Talk to me. <laughs> yeah, talk to. I, I'm against whatever set of behavior makes somebody a Karen. Right. I'm not. Okay. I'm not down with that. Mm. I, I mean, look, they've been around like uh, barbecue Becky. Mm-hmm. That was like two years ago, right? They've been around, they've been for, been around for years. <laughs> Late, I, I think it's good that they're getting some attention and people are like putting Emmett them up Teal? on social media. That was the first Karen. No, not the first. No, she might be one um, of the one of the most famous instances. Right. But she wasn't. The thing the about right. this one she thing about Emmett Till. Yeah, Emmett Till. The people who killed him are still alive, just walking the street. The girl who accused him is uh, still alive. She's living in. Um, she's living somewhere in the South. Uh, I think in Mississippi still has a son. Who's a uh, who's a cop? So you can imagine what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, well, how they raise they raise yeah, their son. And, yeah. um, the guy, the guy. There was a uh, they did a movie about uh, Emmett Till, and the there was uh, the white people who the crazy thing is about the the white people who dragged him out of the house. Mm. They were bl- uh, helped by uh, black people that were working for the white people. Man, dragged him out of the house. But the the, 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 the whole thing is that they're still alive. And walking the street, nothing happened to him. So what I don't understand is, but I mean, all these companies have the wealth. How are you letting these people the just walk around? Because the pow- the the powers that be are racist. Them they people. I'm talking about if if Emmett Till is your cousin and you were in the oh. house when he dragged out, and then the dude is still alive walking the street. How come? Do street justice? How come street justice is not happening? Because half some half people that, real spiritual. Have, have the, have, yeah. Oh, we, black people the most forgiving people in the world. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, I, that, I'm tired of that shit. Black people need to stop. Oh my god, they didn't put up with too much for too long. Yeah, but but half the street justice these niggas. Uh, uh, excuse me, they be lying. Ain't nobody killing for people out here or whatever. Oh, that's my brother. I'm gonna kill for him. No, that. All right, let me ask this question. There's too much lies. Everyone here has sons, right? Yeah, I believe. Now we see a lot of police brutality, a lot of police killing uh, unarmed black uh, black men. What would you do, each one of you guys? What would you do if you're at home, you and then you get a call saying that your son was murdered? Well, they didn't say murdered at first; he was shot by a police officer. And then a couple of weeks go by, then a videotape comes out to where your son. Wasn't resisting arrest, so basically like the George Floyd thing. Streets is real hot. But the, the uh, but in this case, it was your son, your like teenage Streets son. Is real hot. What would each one of you guys do? Streets is real hot. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be able to stop me. Like they wouldn't be able to stop me. I take that charge though. I take it. I mean, at the end of the day, he wasn't gonna go to jail. He getting paid. He killed my son. Like you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. If I if I go to jail for life or whatever the case may be, that's what. So be it. But you not about to. You not about to value my son's life to nothing. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I I gave. I was part of that boy's birth. I was part of that boy's growing up. I was part of everything. Every breath of this boy took or whatever. You feel me? And at the end of the day, me my job as a father is to protect and provide. And I didn't protect him in this instance, but I I showed it get even. Mm-hmm. Derek, what do you? What would you do? Talk to my lawyer. <laughs> See what we could do. Okay. You got to do what you got to do, but they ain't gonna bring him back. And neither would you know retribution. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not, it's not gonna bring him back. But the people can only put up with so much, though. You not. You, but you, know, my son, man. I'm gonna look at it like this, right? And maybe I'm speaking because, like, you saying it, and and I would be amped up and hot 
or I'll be working off all emotion or whatever. But at the same time or whatever, like losing a child is like the worst thing for a parent. You know what I'm saying? Like, so me knowing me, I know I would be trying to do something for retribution. Now, what the whole, is it going to be, oh, I'm about to sit outside his house for the next three, four or five days and all this other stuff and all that other stuff. Maybe, maybe not. But at the same time, though, no, you're not about to just get paid leave, though. You're not doing that, bro. Like, you really not doing that. You not about to do that. You just not. Mm. It's not. And it, I mean, you, you want to, you want to act like you was in the streets and kill my son or whatever. That's, this how the streets is. You act, you acted like your boys had your back, the boys in blue and all that other stuff. But that's why the, the police are gangs. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? They feel like they can do anything and it be justified. But if I go do something and they just said I did it. They don't even have to have proof I did it. They just said I did it. They about to throw me in jail for life. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not even playing field. And me just being a human being or whatever, and the laws of this, this world and land or whatever, that if the laws of the world and land ain't right, I don't have to live by that. Like, I really, when my son was born in this world, my job was to protect and provide for him. And if I feel like I didn't protect for him, I have to do something to feel like I at least did something to to protect them. Mm-hmm. Do you guys all go out to the protests? Like at any point? Um, I did. I went out for the first like the first weekend when I, I was out there when like the shit started when everything got burnt down and shit. Yeah, I was out like Sunday and Monday after that. I wasn't quite as crazy. I don't so think this it was is, the first this two is, days. This is a brings up to a next question. Da, um, yeah, you you are a business owner, correct? Yeah. Now, this question is for everybody um, to answer, but let's start off with you first. Um, how do you feel about when the pro- how do you feel about when the protests they were uh, they were burning down buildings, breaking into uh, uh, breaking into buildings? Um, how I, do you feel about that? I felt like it was straight up, and I said it or whatever. Your enemy ain't the mom and pops, it's the cops or whatever at first or whatever. But I do feel like the riots and the burning down and actually. Not even the what was happening in Oakland was a necessary evil. What was happening in Walnut Creek, what was happening in, in, in Pleasant Hill, what was happening in all these different white communities or whatever, and taking that out of the area of the urban Oakland and Berkeley and all that other stuff, taking it and seeing like, nah, we really fed up. We're coming to you now with these problems. Best Buy and Walnut Creek Concord getting raided and stuff. I have to feel like it was a necessary. They got insurance or whatever. The mom and pops or whatever. The mom and pops ain't really part of the one percenters. So like I I, I feel for them and I I felt like they they need to protect those mom and pop shops or whatever because mind you, we just went through the COVID thing. We all self employed. We wasn't a, had didn't have the ability to get any type of real assistance besides taking out a loan. That really, they wasn't even really trying to give us. They gave all the money to the big corporations first before they even gave it to the small business through the SBA or whatever. And then it was, uh, we just went through that COVID stuff. And then now, 
Now we got to come board up our windows or or do we just struggle to pay the rent because we're not making income for the last couple of months or whatever. I really felt like the mom and pops needed to be protect, protect the mom and pops at all costs. If corporate corporate entities and stuff like that or whatever, if you burn it down or whatever, hey, you you part of the one percent to me. But the mom and pops, I felt like you should protect them. Anyone else? Well, I, I don't necessarily attribute those financial casualties to the movement. I think a lot of that was some bullshit that whoever was against the BLM movement was trying to muddy the the message and, you know, add different kinds of flavor to, you know, so they could kind of like uh, drag us through the mud, so to speak. And I, you know, I don't think like I agree with you, DH, you know, whatever happened for the mom and pops, that's fucked up, you know, um, and the one percent like Walmarts and Best Buys, they do have insurance. Still don't necessarily make it right because that's your community that you shop at. Don't fuck up your own community where you live. You know, it's not the community stores that are the enemy and it's not the police per se i mean the police work for the enemy but they're just pawns in the game it's the one percent whoever they be and they're not all white mm. they're asian they're african they're latino it's all the economics but they're rich yeah and they want to protect their money at all costs Derek, what's your view on that on the violent protest well i mean i I didn't do anything violent. Um, <laughs> I did have to uh, scold some Antifa kid for spray painting the Oakland library. I was like, this is a library, dude. You don't need to put all cops or bastard on the library. Go put it someplace else. People um, know that. <laughs> you ain't got to spray paint that. I mean, he was just like, there, you know, he's a white kid. Had the whole like Antifa hoodie outfit out there playing like an adventure, whatever. I'm going to tag up everything. Like, I, you know. So do you, that, do you agree? Like, do you agree general, with the violent protests? Do you think it's a ne it's necessary, equally necessary as peaceful protest? Well, look, I think the cops are the ones who made it violent. And I'll say on Monday night, uh, you know, when they actually had the organized march, started at uh, Oakland Tech High School, went all the way down Broadway. Yeah, this is like the first night that they put the curfew in place. They put the curfew in place so that they could tear cast protesters. Because that's exactly what happened. I was there too. Yeah, like everything was chill. People were all wearing masks and everything, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, people weren't socially distant because it was a, a protest march, but pretty much everybody was masked up. Um, and the people who had organized it were telling people like at seven o'clock when people stopped speaking at city hall, you know, we're going to march down to the police station. But then after that, you know, it was time to disperse and everything was basically chill. Like people were yelling or chanting, right? It's a protest. So there's protests, chants, things like that. And, um, but nobody was like trying to cross the barrier you know, or, you know, come past like the police line that they had set up. And it was so chill. I was actually, I was getting bored and it was like, probably must've been like seven forty, Right. Um, 
and it was the you know the only the only time I'd come out of off of Alameda uh, was f- since you know quarantine started was for those two nights Sunday and Monday night when the protest started and I had ridden my bike to the tunnel walked through the tunnel and come Damn. through <laughs> the air in there though well just wait because <laughs> the air in there is pretty nasty generally speaking but. Uh, you know, I'm like, it's seven 40. I should at least try to get back into Alameda and on my bike by eight o'clock when the curfew starts. Um, cause you know, I don't need any trouble in my life. So I start walking down eighth street and I get up to, uh, I guess like Franklin. Right. Mm. And there's just like four white police vans filled with cops and riot gear, just waiting to go. And I'm like, I pulled my phone out and I like make a video just walking past them. I'm like, they're really expecting something to pop off here, you know? And by the time I get down to like 7th and Franklin, I hear the, you know, pop, pop. I'm like, I see a couple, you know, kids walking towards me. I'm like, is that tear gas? And he's like, yep. Everything was totally peaceful. And I like look up the block and like sure enough, all those police vans are swinging around the block. And so I'm walking with these kids. They're going back to Alameda too. Uh, so I'm like, all right, I'll show you how to get to the tunnel to get back. So I guess they had like taken the bus into Oakland or something. They couldn't get the bus to go back because of the curfew. Um, so I'm like, I'll show you how to get back. And the next block, there was four more police vans lined up, ready to go. And, uh, you know, I didn't get hit with it directly, but like by the time we got to the tunnel, it was everywhere in the air. <clears throat> and in that stage, that's the only time I went into the Alameda tunnel and I actually felt like I was getting fresh air. Oh shit. <laughs> wow. All right, so what I'm getting from that is you don't agree with the violent protest, but you think the police are the reasons it becomes violent. That's what Yeah, no, I mean I don't look. As far as like looting, mm. I think there's people who are opportunists. I don't think that they're necessarily. I mean, here's the thing about it: like when you have a spontaneous protest that just happens, mm. you know, is by its nature it's disorganized, and there's going to be a certain amount of chaos that comes along with that. So you're going to see broken windows, you're going to see people spray painting things, and frankly, you're going to see people who, you know, take the opportunity to get something that they might not have otherwise. And I think what's missing from a lot of the conversation about the looting in particular are the underlying economic factors where, you know, and there's actually, it was, um, I forget exactly what society was. I'll send you the link if you want it though. Uh, but it was like King writing to like the, you know, society of academic sociologists or something like that about what they should be focused on and what they should be studying. And he, you know, wrote very, um, you know, about this specific thing that happens, you know, where like when there is a protest, when there are riots, you know, what do you, what do you make of the looting? You know, how do you look at this sociologically and what are the circumstances that people are in where they see this one moment as the opportunity to maybe have that television that under no other circumstances would they be able to afford. Right. And they take advantage of it. So I think that 
when you see things like that happen, especially in a moment where you have a genuine, you know, uprising of social protest about something that I think most people, you know, when you watch that video of George Floyd being killed, like it, it's really uncomfortable. You know, I think for, for everyone who sees that you're watching a man being killed. Um, and the people who are doing it don't give a shit, you know? So in those moments, you know, there's, there's a reason that, you know, people are willing to break social contract entirely and just say like, okay, I'm going to take this moment to go steal something. And the, what's the reason that the social contract is so weak that people don't feel an obligation to just the way that our society is structured and wealth is distributed. What is it about the way that we do things that make people just be like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to go get myself a TV. Or I'm going to get whatever I can right now. And I mean, in a lot of ways, that's really the message that, you know, I would say capitalist culture sends to people generally get what you can while you can get it right. and get as much of it as you can. And so people looting, you know, in a moment like this, they are following the mandate of capitalism. Absolutely. And so, you know, if you want a different social contract, we need to rewrite the social contract. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that's something that, you know, is kind of missing from all the conversations that we're having is we kind of need to do like a page one rewrite. It's like we need a constitutional convention or something, that you know, something. that would never happen. though. It can happen if what three quarters of the states vote for it to happen. I agree with you. You'll never get it through Congress. You know, there's too many people who think the Constitution and the Bill of Rights is so sacred, even though even though when those shits were created, they weren't created uh, with the mindset of blacks, Mexicans, Indians. It was created for white people. That's but the, yeah, look at the forefathers who, who look who created it. Look at the, the, the mean, type of men they were or whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying they wasn't they wasn't thinking about nobody but their own people and so the the sacredity of that is us just saying oh this is how it's been for uh this long or whatever but change has to happen mm -hmm. 2020 is not 1492 when columbus sailed those in blue or nothing like you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. this is this is this is different and we know who they were like we know what type of person this is. So now if your boss is a racist or your boss has slaves or whatever, just because he's your boss, does it make everything he do okay? It wouldn't. You wouldn't want to work for him. You wouldn't want to follow his rules. You wouldn't want to follow his standards because his ideologies and his mindset ain't matching the masses. And they 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 give it the sacredity, but so I don't think it deserves that. It's just an older, it's older way of thinking. It's time for a change at the end of the day. And how would that happen? Huh? Money. We going back to the economics of the life. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was going to say that kind of the same thing. I would say, you know, we really have to start looking at the world as it, for, for actually what it is. And I think like this whole COVID-19 situation is, is a great uh, example of that. But I mean, basically everything in this world exists so that the super, super rich people can gamble in this casino called the stock market. Mm-hmm. And it's not really about ever spending any of that money. Mm -hmm. It's just about having the higher chip stack 
than like, you know, the guy to your right or the guy to your left, Mm -hmm. you know, the other billionaires that you're competing with. Cause like you can still only wear one pair of pants at a time. Mm -hmm. You can only eat lunch once a day. You still get buried in the same dirt. Yeah, exactly. Right. But basically like the most powerful people in the world, the way that they keep score is through how the stock market performs. Right. And our government, their primary function is not to serve us. Right? And we see this with the COVID situation with the $4 trillion of liquidity that they pumped into the stock market. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically what happened was like this virus came along and the economy was about to grind to a standstill, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like, uh, you know, if you were in a casino and like the power went out and the emergency lighting came on and the casino was just like, we don't want people to leave. So we're just going to comp everybody like a rack. You know, so they keep playing, right? That's what they, that's what they did. They didn't take care of any of the regular people, right? The first thing they did was make sure that people kept playing, that the tables kept moving. And that's the primary, that's what our entire economy centered around, not just in this country, but like, that's what the global economy is. It's really for billionaires to gamble, right? And the only thing, you know, in some ways you're on point because really, Voting isn't being in that game. The only way to get into that game is to actually play yourself, right? You start small time, but you buy some stock, right? And then, but you're still just fucking gambling, right? You're you're still in a game that you're never going to like really win. You know, your, your biggest hope is that you win enough that like someday you don't have to work anymore. And you can live off your winnings, right? (laughs) And this is kind of how they get everybody to buy into it too, right? (laughs) This is the whole thing when George Bush wanted to privatize Social Security and everybody just gets a little stock market account. You know, in that case, and we're all bought into it, you're not going to get a popular uprising uh, because people are just like, yeah, no, the casino, that's what supports all of us, Right. okay? And I mean, it's a little more complicated than just like, you know, blackjack or poker or something like that. It's more like horse racing because everybody's betting on companies that actually produce something. And, you know, when those companies only win when they sell their products and the types of products that they make, either we have to buy or they have to kill people. (laughs) Right. Let me, let me ask this question. So since we're on the COVID-19 thing, Jax, uh, you're an electrician, correct? And you work for UC Berkeley? That's right. How do you feel about uh, you still having to come to work when the whole school was shut down? I don't have to come to work. You don't? No, I can stay home. Oh. What? <laughs> you, consider, you know what I'm saying? I mean, are, they are don't have to pay me for that. Essential play? I mean, I consider it. I know home, you can stay home if you want to. But yeah, I'm I saying, mean, you know what I mean? How do you feel life about... Life is what you make it. How do you feel about this, them? They I feel care like I'm a slave the to, to the to the the societal norms. I mean, you know, I got a job, I got bills to pay, I got kids right. to feed. So you don't you don't care about it? I care about it, but like I said, you know, I mean, you think the slaves wanted to pick the cotton? Well, no, they didn't, but they, they kept didn't have getting no up, choice. and yeah, well, I ain't got no choice either. I mean, I, I can mm-hmm. not go, but then what am I gonna do? My hustle, I mean, it, hustling in the time of COVID is harder too. You know, I mean, so you gotta, you gotta pay the bills. All right. So, uh, this question is for everybody. Do you agree with, uh, the reopening? 
No. Across no. the country, like these reopenings that are that were going on across the country, and now they have this big surge. No. Do you agree with them reopening? Uh, because and why do you think they were reopening? I mean, they're so scared about the economy, but they got billions of dollars to spend on these tanks and planes that never get flown and and used and. Or maybe they do, but they ain't doing shit here. They're fucking up other countries and we're fucking up our foreign policies with other peoples. You know, instead of giving it to our people who need it here, let's take some of them billions of dollars that we use off of these missiles and tanks and planes and give it back to the people who put it there, the taxpayers. You know, but they don't want to do that. They want us to keep grinding on the wheel, the hamster wheel. So like you said, the economy can keep moving. So they can keep their money. So they can keep playing the stock stock market while we die. I mean, just we're just fodder for them. Okay. Anyone else? I mean, I feel like this about the um, the reopening or whatever. Um, it's too it's too soon because nobody knows. But it's not never go. We're not going to never get back to some sort of normalcy without us. Going, getting back out there, no matter what the case is. I felt like they messed it up from the jump. They literally, all they, I think they should have did was just freeze all the bills and just tell people you, you have to stay home for, for three months or four months or whatever. Like there's no bill. You wouldn't have to worry about work if all your bills was frozen. Like everybody's, everybody in the world's, I mean, not in the world, in America's bills was just frozen. You didn't have to worry about PG&E, not no furloughs, not no uh, deferments, not nothing. Just for the next six months, we the, there will be no bill acquired. Like we just literally, we need you to stay home for the greater good. If you need food, we will give you food stamps. If you need certain things or whatever, we will provide it for you. You know what I'm saying? We're all out here trying to hustle, go to work or whatever the case is, because we don't want us to lose what we've been working for for the last 20, 30, 40 years or whatever. So I have to pay these bills. I have to do this. I have to do that or whatever. They, they, the How they did it was wrong from the jump because the essential workers are still around the people who's quarantined. Everybody, no matter if you're sick, not sick, whatever the case is, everybody can go to the grocery store. Right. Them $12 an hour workers are not scrubbing that grocery store down all day, every day, or whatever, making it sanitary. So somebody's bringing COVID into the grocery store where everybody can go to or whatever. The, it's, it's, it, it's a, a virus. It's a disease or whatever the case is. If we really needed to quarantine like a real quarantine, I'm not going to say like, one of the movies or something or whatever where only people outside is in the bodysuits and stuff or whatever, but mm. something like that might have stopped the rise or whatever the case is. But we're all worried about the financial displacement that we will go through if we don't go to work or if if um I don't have food to provide for my family. You know what I'm saying? Like it's we're worried about our general the basic necessities that we have or whatever. But if they would have just stopped bills all around the board, people could have been at home with no worries because I'm not getting a mortgage payment. I'm not getting rent. My landlord is not looking for rent because he doesn't have to pay his mortgage. You know what I'm saying? Like it, I, he doesn't need to be making money the next six months because he literally has to pay for nothing either. But, Everybody. but what was you saying that when we first sat down though? 
It's all about the money. Right. So that, I, I, it's I the agree. money people, the 1% that's I, not going to let that ride. Because right? they're I, the ones that still get they got, money. They actually got rich during the COVID-19. I mean, they get rich Amazon. all the time. Amazon. During yeah, the depression. They, they got, the, they got up, literally. You know, when upswing, the, the, they, they making money they all was the time. Saying they was making $75 billion and trillion and, and what? Like, come on. Yeah, because they, 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 they got pumped the $4 trillion yeah. into the, While we onto the casino. While we fighting for toilet paper. And I agree with you. While we fighting for toilet paper, he over there tripling his net worth after a divorce. That's why I tell everybody. After he lost half his money. inside when the first trails is out yeah, there. Like, yeah, like. Uh, he's on. not yet. But like, look, everything that we did in this country, it, it really does seem like the elites are just, just testing us to see like how much we'll put up with by how badly they're doing it. Uh, not every country's done it perfectly, but literally like Germany, France, England, Canada, uh, all the you know European countries, they didn't do this crazy twelve hundred dollar check thing. They didn't you know do like oh we'll give you unemployment. No, they just funded payroll to like eighty percent, seventy five, eighty percent, right? So everybody kept their jobs, and the government just picked up the payroll, mm-hmm. right? Now you didn't get like your full check, but you got like seventy five or eighty percent of it, and you know especially in our society where staying at your job is also staying on your health insurance. You know, this was kind of crazy that we didn't do that or didn't even try to do it. You know, there's one time $1,200 and then whatever $600, you know, padding they put on to unemployment insurance, that's not going to do it. But like ultimately, you know, it doesn't matter. Like people aren't going to go back out just because they reopen. Some of them are. Like, and there is like a weird culty thing happening in our society. Open up, motherfuckers go be in themselves. Mm -hmm. Cause they've been they've been bored in the house and oh man I can't wait to get back here. Yeah, right. Yeah, but like, but uh, but, that's, that, but that's why that's why the spread because I went to Atlanta right and when I went to Atlanta they make you sign a waiver to enter the clubs so they're not held liable. Yeah. If you get sick, so that's going to be like the new norm too. People are really going to be signing their rights away to enter these places. And I mean, like, what you know, what are you going to do? This bars are one thing, but you think people are going to go to the movie theater yeah. or get on like a Greyhound or, I mean, you know, if like the, if the Warriors play, the, the arena will be packed. I know that, but like you know what I'm saying, but sports, I don't know. I mean, sports, sports is a uh, part of our culture and people are thirsty for sports right now. Right, well, I think that's probably imagine true. Imagine a whole bunch of people yelling and screaming with they spit flying out. Nah, but they gonna they gonna be it's gonna be mask mask necessary. I mean, it, it's the law right now to be Damn. wearing masks, but I, we not wearing masks right now. We talking. That's true. And, that's true. Uh, people are outside this right now. Bicycles jogging with no mask, yeah. walking their dogs yeah. with no mask. I, well, uh, I mean, if you're outside, oh, it's not. This, this is probably the most dangerous situation we can be in. Just four, you know, five people in a room together on masks. But, you know, like, to be fair, like, I get this email, like, every week from the city of Alameda tells me, like, how many cases there are, Mm -hmm. right? Alameda County is not that bad. Like, there's 7,725 cases I looked just today. Mm -hmm. Apparently people. And that's for, you know, like, 1.6 million people who live in Alameda County. And Alameda County spreads all the way down to the south, you know, south Mm -hmm. bay, right? So odds are pretty good that none of us have it. But, I mean, at the same time, and like I said, I haven't even left the island of Alameda. Like, I've barely left my house since mm-hmm. this whole thing started, right? The only person I've really been in contact with for any extended period of time has been my kid, right? And uh, 
he's pretty much been inside the whole time anyway. So also, you know, I'm relatively young, relatively healthy. I do kind of think everybody's just going to get it at some point. All right. Great. But, (laughs) but, you know, I honestly think as far as the economy goes, your question, like, should we be opening up? I don't know if it matters. Like, I don't think the economy is going to come charging back. I think people are freaked out. Yeah, I know some people some still people scared. Are. I know a lot of people still scared. People are dying. But like I tell like I tell everybody, and so if the powers that be tell you you can come outside, you're going to just come outside now? What was the difference two, three months ago? That's you know what, what I'm saying? saying? And nothing would change unless there's a cure. And as long as there's no cure... But everybody's not even tested, Motherfuckers would die. We got a lot of sheeple out here, too. So this goes... This is my last question. No. I have one more question for everybody. The up? NBA is about to start. <laughs> Who do you got? Who do you got? <laughs> Jax. Man. The Warriors ain't playing. I guess so. <laughs> you know what? It's anybody's ball game, really. I mean, so a young you buck like. I mean, I'm just saying, though, let me speak. The Pelicans <laughs> might do something. You know, you never know. Like, That's your pick? No, nah, that's not my pick. I'm just saying it's wide open. You don't know. Like, let's say LeBron James and the Lakers are the front runners. Well, who do you like? But just say. What if AD or LeBron comes down with COVID right before the playoff? Okay, All bets is off. So you don't really know what's going to happen with COVID. Who, I mean, do you lean, who are you leaning toward right now? I mean, honestly, I, I would say I think the Lakers look good. They keep on picking up new pieces as we speak. All right. Derek, what do you got? Do you watch basketball? I don't watch sports. All right. I don't I'm know. I'm a nerd. Bro. I don't know, man. I'm not going to lean. I mean, I felt like LeBron and them, they was going to do it for Kobe before all this happened or whatever. Um, I thought the Clippers were very strong. Mm-hmm. I thought the Bucks or whatever. But it's all about who comes out this quarantine playing the, the hardest and the hottest or whatever. Because it's a, really a short season and pretty much everybody's rested. So right. it's like now it's about – Who's about to play the hardest and the and and get hot or whatever? So and then like the scenario where they're all playing in the same area, same arena or whatever, they about to be socializing, talking a whole bunch of shit. It could like if I don't know if y'all watch the Chicago Bulls thing or whatever, Jordan will pump himself up making shit up. Like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So he played hella <laughs> hard or whatever. But now they all it could be is they all in the same area and be like, hey, Giannis. LeBron talking hell of shit over there about you. You know what I'm saying? And Giannis might go drop 70 or something. Like, I don't I don't know what it is because they're all going to be in this bubble. So, at the end of the day or whatever, and like you said, somebody could catch COVID that might be a key piece. So, you got Milwaukee, that's what you're saying? Nah, I mean, I really got um, the NFL season because this NBA season is a wash for the, for the most part, I think. I really think it's a what. This is about to be funny. Them coming to put, coming <laughs> then play in this bubble. It's gonna be funny, but I mean, at the end, fitness, yeah, it's gonna be, it, yeah. You gonna hear all the squeaking of the shoes and the and the, <laughs> and the whistles and stuff, whatever. So and the shit I, talking, yeah, the, you gonna hear it all. You gonna hear it all. It's gonna be like practice or whatever. So I don't know. All right. So this episode, we have our first sponsor. Okay. Congratulations. Con- yeah, I mean, well, he's, not a, he's not a sponsor, sponsor, but it's a nigga with some shirts. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by We the People Social Group. Uh, it's a social group. I mean, it's saying it's, it's a good brand clothing. Um, you can watch. You can get their clothing at wtpsg.com. 
check them out on Instagram at four plus five. They make hats, shirts, stickers. Uh, you just gotta wait for the shit because I asked for a shirt and it's been a minute. You already shouting them out. You a good dude. You a good dude. You didn't even get your product yet. You a good dude. So yeah, so check them out on Instagram, 4plus5. We the People Social Group. Um, WTPSG.com. And order some merchandise. Order some clothing. Uh, They're local. They're Oakland. Oakland Oakland-based. And that's what we do here on Everyday Celebrity. We We support people in the neighborhood. Ordinary people who are trying to do big things. And this is a time of the episode where my guests can shout out or promote themselves. Like if you have a friend, if you have a company or whatever you want to promote, this is your time to tell the people. If people want to get in contact with you, uh, give them your Instagram or whatever. Or whatever you want to uh, divulge. I mean, thousands and thousands of people listen to it. I'm the number three in the Bay Area. Y'all niggas didn't know. Um, so speak. <laughs> speak. DH, uh... How can the people get in contact with you if you want to shout out your your, uh, your business, your barbershop? Uh, my Instagram is dh none other, um, Mister none other. Um, I do a couple little things or whatever. And man, family first. I'm a father first, a husband first, and um, just entrepreneur trying to do the best I can with what I can. So. And what's the name of your barbershop? Oakland Clippers. Where can we're, they, where can we're, they find out? we're closed right now because of COVID nineteen um, quarantine. So, um, but. You know, um, I do have a, a link in my bio if you would like to make an appointment or whatever. So. And they that's located in Oakland or Berkeley? In Oakland, California, North Oakland, um, 59th and Shattuck. All right. Dirk? I'm Diablo Neruda. Uh, that's like Pablo Neruda, but Diablo on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow me, you can find me there. Uh, if you're looking to organize um, the East Bay DSA, uh, if you want to figure out how to start a union or do any of that stuff, they can help you out. Jacks. Hey, well, um, Oakland Jacks on Instagram. Don't follow me if you got some bullshit to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, Black Lives Matter. Power to the people. Keep it real and keep mm-hmm. it right. All right. Well, thank you, Jacks. Thanks, Dirk. Uh, thanks, DH, for this great conversation. Um, yeah, follow these people. Uh, digging their lives. I'm saying they can, might offer you <coughs> some knowledge if you don't have any. Um, yes, three different people, three different lives, three different backgrounds. That's the whole point of this episode. And you know where to reach me at Everyday Celebrity uh, Media dot com, Everyday Celebrity PO on Twitter, Everyday Celebrity Media Media CO on Instagram, and my personal Instagram is Jordan Owandi. And these people will be tagged on my stories also if you want to reach out to them. And that's it. We are out. Appreciate you. you. Peace. Thanks.